Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from innovative thinkers. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Pipeline Plus. Tired of overcomplicated CRM? Pipeline Plus is the easiest business development tool you'll ever use. It helps you organize and focus on your most important relationships. With instructional e-learning tutorials and concrete suggestions from our built-in AI, Pipeline Plus gives you everything you need to get new business from your existing network. Visit AckertInc.com to learn more. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert and today our guest is Joe Patrice, who is the senior editor of Above the Law for the past seven years and the host of the podcast Thinking Like a Lawyer, which interviews thought leaders and Above the Law authors with an occasionally reverent look at the legal industry. Joe, great to have you with us. Hey, great to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background and your podcast. Yeah, so I, like a lot of people, found myself at the end of college with no marketable skills, so I went to law school. And at the end of that process, I, you know, worked in big law at Cleary Gottlieb for several years and then uh, at a white-collar defense boutique. And after a decade or so, I realized I had paid off my loans and decided to look for something else. And what I realized was the best use of my degree while maintaining sanity was to start to cover the legal industry. And so I joined Above the Law and we've been making jokes with a hint of seriousness behind them about the legal industry ever since. In your five years as host of Thinking Like a Lawyer and your seven years as senior editor of Above the Law, you've seen a lot of trends emerge in our industry, particularly around legal technology, which is an area that I'm very interested in. I'm interested to know what trends you've been seeing most recently. To the extent we have beats at Above the Law, mine is legal tech, mostly because of the Above the Law staff. I'm the one who understands how to turn on and off a computer, but that does not by any means make me an expert. So I'm a bit of an outsider with legal tech coverage. The biggest thing that I've been seeing is the rise of analytics lately. After years, years of different hype cycles, we get to a place now where almost every product, its main selling point is that there's something you can draw as a lawyer from it that can improve your practice. There's an analytic for how your e-discovery works. There's analytics for how your research works, Analytic analytical tools for how briefs are being written, how opinions are coming out. Everything is about data and analytics, which suggests to me that's a message that started to resonate with lawyers. Uh, right. a, a notoriously Luddite group of folks uh, has started to kind of get the idea that data and big data is important to them. And there are ways in which they can tangibly utilize it for their practices. Well, that's surprising to me uh, from a very high level in that we know that knowledge is power. We know that lawyers definitely appreciate the value of evidence. Why do you think it is that law firms have had such a hard time leaning into this concept of analytics, which is basically information, which is basically you know having insight into a situation so that they can make stronger and uh, smarter decisions? There are good and bad answers to it. I, mean, I think the most charitable answer that the firms would like you to know to have is that they were deeply concerned about privacy and the privacy of their clients. And analytics just comes too close to the data of different clients being muddled and it worried them. Uh, that's certainly a concern that is noble, but I think much more accurately. What was wrong was that there was a belief and it's you still see it, although it's gracefully disappearing, of folks who 
you know, would rather they have their servers in their closet and do everything by shorthand and have a word processing unit type things up. The idea of big data, the idea that of doing what the Googles and Facebooks of the world are doing is, is foreign. It's not the way in which they have been brought up to think about problems. And I think that was a huge part of why they've been slow as well. But obviously, I will give them the credit that privacy concerns and also, you know, fear of the robots, because a lot of the analytic stuff in- involves algorithms figuring out two, two pieces of data may or may not be related and a piece of uh, software can figure out whether or not those should be counted together. And fear of that was another part of why they were re- reticent. But thankfully, that's breaking down. You're referring to AI, which we're going to get to yeah. in a moment. But first, I want to ask you, so a lot of times when I'm talking to firms, the concern is that the data is dirty, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not clean data. Uh, there isn't necessarily a level of accuracy or trustworthiness to what the firm is warehousing such that the insights can really be relied upon. What are you seeing in terms of firm's relationship to their data? Uh, I get that they're embracing the value of analytics, but do they really have uh, information now that they can trust? This is back to part of why things have changed that I probably should mention is that especially at the bigger firms, there's been a professionalization of dealing with questions of technology and data. That You no longer have a partner who is a genius at whatever constructing REITs or whatever, also being the person who is on a committee who makes these decisions increasingly these firms are professionalizing and hiring people who are real experts and really understand what's going on in technology and in data. And those folks are now able to do a better job of making sure that what people have is usable and structured and a thing that you can, can draw real analytics out of. Somebody once told me that unless you hire a professional to spearhead and manage an initiative, it will probably never really happen in earnest at the law firm. So back to AI, why do you think AI is starting to be embraced? I remember a few years ago where there was a lot of talk of robot lawyers and how, you know, we were going to have computers practicing the law and that the profession would become extinct. And certainly we've seen that there has been technology to replace some things that lawyers used to do, like document review, but uh, the profession is alive and well and thriving otherwise. So uh, what, what, what changed here? Part of the concern about robot lawyers is that we had certain vendors, which I won't name, uh, who very much were pushing that idea. And I think where the, the corner came is when they got kind of exposed and other vendors started making the case that this was not magic beans, that in fact, it is just a smarter way of organizing things. And it's familiarity with it in their day-to-day lives as they see an auto line complete on their browser. It's no longer scary. But definitely the move toward treating it as though it is a tool that is just a normal progress of technology and not magic beans that will replace your job had a lot to do with the increasing comfortability with it. So AI is now our friend. I mean, I was at the ILTA conference and I walked out saying, wow, AI has become normal. Uh, and it was normal in that it was mundane. People were having conversations about machine learning and natural language and AI and nobody 
reacted to it as though it was magic. So it's been about two or three years now that it's shifted to normalcy, as it were. You talked earlier about vendors and how they can be part of the problem and part of the solution. I'm curious, uh, in your many years of interviewing various people who are contributing new ideas and new products to the industry, which legal tech products have you seen that excited you and why? I've seen tons of things that have excited me. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of small places that are just putting together some cool stuff. Uh, and some people who are a little bit bigger. Ultimately, I feel like a lot of good ideas at small levels tend to be sucked up into the bigger levels. And so it tends to come back to LexisNexis and Thomson Reuters as the big the big dogs in the space. Uh, and they do a lot of work absorbing things. One of the more interesting products I saw a couple of years ago, was, or about a year ago or so, was Lexus had a new feature, which was taking advantage of their partnership with Ravel Law. If you have a case in front of Judge X, this product was processing all of the decisions from the judge and spitting out information like, even on these mundane points of law that you that are largely boilerplate, she likes to cite this specific language of a case. Maybe for the mundane point, it's not an issue, but looking at that case, oh, wow, it actually, the rest of that case is very relevant to what's going on. And she seems to know it like the back of her hand. We should come up with some sort of an answer to that. I thought that was really interesting as somebody who's had to write my share of briefs uh, and often quickly that it could pull that together, I thought was really interesting. Now, that was LexisNexis coming out with that first. Thomson Reuters now has a, an offering that's like moving along and trying to do some of the similar things. You have Case Text doing its stuff with uh, helping you write briefs. They have a product where you now, you type in basically the outline of the brief you want to write and the jurisdiction and whatever, and it, it kind of fills it with, here are the cases that are most likely to be relevant in that jurisdiction that say the things you want to say. Interesting stuff uh, all over the place. And I've seen actually the back to that Lexus product. I just recently talked to a company that's bringing that to the state, that sort of tech to the state court docket. There's a lot of fun stuff, I, I should say. That's yeah. great. I mean, any technology that can help us to uh, gain better insight into what people are thinking or improve our efficiency through the course of practicing law or litigation is certainly going to be uh, something that uh, lawyers find useful and that they're going to want to use. There's a lot of good stuff happening, and I don't want to dismiss some of the older trends. Uh, e-discovery, which for years was the primary place where technology was happening. Now we have tech coming in all these other areas, but the e-discovery companies are still out there and they're still doing fun stuff, uh, building new graphical interfaces that allow them to be easier for people to understand, new improvements to AI to make searches better and faster. It's, it's you know, they're, they're kind of, it, they're less flashy because it's a technology we've had for so many years, but the innovation that's happening there is still pretty impressive. Joe, I appreciate your, your thoughts today and, and sharing your perspective on what's trending and what's hot in legal technology. Once again, Joe Patrice is the senior editor of Above the Law 
and the host of the Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. What I can tell you, Joe, is that the people listening right now have excellent taste in podcasts. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that they're (laughs) going to find yours interesting too. Uh, You can find Thinking Like a Lawyer at all the places that you would normally download and listen to podcasts. Joe, thanks again for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks. Today's episode was brought to you by Ackert, the company that solves business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit ackertinc.com to learn more about our consulting, coaching, and technology solutions.